Hi, Tim. Hey, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall, where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can promote positive change in musical theater. This is our second episode for 2020. And our 20th episode. Oh, 2020, I dig it. I love it. Lucky number 20. If you have a second, please take a screenshot, post this episode on all of your social media so we can reach a larger audience. You can also always contact Tim and I through Instagram and through Twitter or through email, and I will leave all of our contacts in the show notes. Tim, what puzzler do you have for us today? All right, here we go for this week. What 2012 Tony Award-winning musical features an entire cast of actor-singer-musicians? What Tony did it win? Best Musical in 2012. Okay. So we'll come back around. We'll discover that answer at the end of this episode. So what's in the news? First off, uh, Freestyle Love Supreme just closed on Broadway, among many other musicals that we mentioned last week in our episode. The Nanny, the musical is heading to the stage for a new musical Broadway production. It's no dates. Have dates been announced yet? I love it because all the millennials out there are like, what the heck is is the the nanny? nanny. I I grew up on the nanny. Sorry, I'm Gen X. So like the nanny was like ripe right around the time when I was a kid watching TV and Fran Drescher would come out and she would just have that, you know, that queen, thick queen's accent and you just fell in love with her and the show ran a really successful sitcom and now she's going to come back and she's going to tell the story of her life and musicalize it i love it how cool is that no dates uh i believe are set just yet but we are looking forward to hearing how that's going to be transferring i don't even know if it's been in rehearsals but it's it's happening yeah it is it's confirmed also we just found out that there is going to be a surprise another (laughs) musical on tv done this is a live musical just like a little mermaid that we um, recently had announcements it's great because now they're they're becoming more frequent both abc fox and now nickelodeon's getting getting in on the game and so we're seeing more musicals frequently uh, adapted for uh, the tv so this is young frankenstein the musical is now going to have a live musical event I'm really excited about this because this is one of my favorite musical comedies of all time. But I'm really curious to know if they're going to actually like commit to all of the sexual innuendo that is in, you know, Young Frankenstein that Mel Brooks is so known for. That's a yeah, it's a good thought. I don't know. I'm super excited about it though i did it at moonlight a couple years ago original well your thesis is based off of my thesis is and my thesis was on susan stroman Mm -hmm. who directed the original production and it's just gosh it's so well done but not done very often because of not not the really the content but because of the stage and how Mm -hmm. how a spectacle like it is and how it's a massive set it's a massive set Other than just The Nanny heading to Broadway, there are two other musicals I wanted to discuss. The first one is called Sing Street, Mm -hmm. which is heading to Broadway Mm -hmm. very soon. Yeah, this is really exciting. Uh, This is based off John Carney's most recent Golden Globe-nominated cult film of the same title. And... uh, it's the music stylistically is based around new wave. Uh, so if anybody out there knows new wave music, uh, bands like the cure and Depeche mode, some of my favorite brands of the early nineties, uh, that style of music is going to be prevalent in this show. And it's being directed by Rebecca Tashman, who most recently directed an amazing production of, uh, indecent on Broadway. And also it's going to be choreographed by Sonia Taya, who is from, so you think you can dance and yeah. 
Uh, a little synopsis. I looked this up, actually. A synopsis is, it's set in Dublin in mm-hmm. 1982. Everyone is out of work. Thousands are seeking bluer skies across the Irish Sea. 16-year-old Connor and his schoolmates turn to music to escape troubles at home and impress a mysterious girl. With a score that embraces the new wave sounds of the era, Sing Street celebrates the thrill of first love and the power of music. And that is from uh, Broadway, or no, Playbill.com. Mm-hmm. So listening to that, synopsis take a little and i'm looking at a few pictures here as well it is about a young 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 kid young young female um young male identifying person Mm -hmm. and it's about young people again it's somewhat in the realm of what we've been seeing lately with be more chill with dear evan hansen these very young Young shows yes Mm -hmm. Uh, it's typically based around a male right very true let's keep that in mind no absolutely and then another musical that I just wanted to kind of talk about just for a second in the same realm of these new musicals heading to Broadway is an off-Broadway production of Trevor the Musical that's going to be heading to off-Broadway this spring. Now, this musical, listen to this synopsis again from Playbill. Trevor the Musical is about a 13-year-old boy named Trevor, a force of nature with a vivid imagination. As he deals with becoming a teenager, Trevor struggles to navigate his own identity and determine how he fits in a challenging world. So again. So again. (laughs) A young boy. A young boy. Male-identifying Male-identifying. And... um, I'm looking at pictures and I've looked at a couple of videos of Mm -hmm. these two musicals and by the way of just the way it looks it it looks like it's caucasian young boys mm. and most of them are young as as well so i'm i'm not and i you know we're always very positive mm-hmm. we want to make a positive change of course and i really do what i love is that these musicals are coming to broadway to influence Younger, younger audiences to come see the show. And then when I say younger audiences, not only just, you know, uh, people in their 20s and 30s and uh, but we're talking about like kids. Absolutely. And I think that's great. And it's also dealing with um, what we see a lot of people dealing with, not stress, anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, identity, uh, being true to yourself and being able to express that. And. I think it's really great. I, I, I just hope that we see more diversity in it, not only in. Um, wouldn't wouldn't that be a fantastic opportunity though with these younger musicals? To, I think so. To see, to have young young people come and watch these shows and get to see themselves reflected in it, and also starting that ideology at a younger level that you know the world of musical theater doesn't have to be just cast through one lens. Mm-hmm. Like I'd love to see more a young female, like because I mm-hmm. am doing fun home right now, and so I was noticing as we were looking at the news, mm-hmm. and it, it's from a young female's perspective. But I can't think of any other musicals that are from a young female perspective besides Matilda and Violet and Matilda Um, and so I just I I wish it was more female identifying happening and I also just wish that we could see more diversity in other than just Caucasian actors and I know we're seeing that in Dear Evan Hansen lately Mm. and placements but I just wish it was like the first I wish we saw the first one the original you know what I mean and that was really interesting because I was talking to my students last semester about that they were super excited because uh the young person that's, uh, I think, assumed the role now of Evan Hansen on Broadway is a person of color. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, yes, we're finally making strides. And I mm-hmm. said, "That you're right. You're absolutely finally, right. Finally. But-, but I said, why couldn't Evan Hansen, and no offense to Ben Platt, he's fantastic. Why couldn't Evan, Han- Evan Hansen been a person of color from the get-go? Why does it take a show establishing itself on Broadway mm-hmm. as a moneymaker to say, okay, we're willing to take the quote-unquote risk on a person of color in a in a in a color conscious way. 
as I was looking through the news and as we were kind of talking about what's happening this week on Broadway with these new musicals happening, what I think is really enlightening right now is people are choosing to work on projects that make them excited to get up every single day and go to work. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And even though we keep saying we want to see change, we want to see change or pounding the walls. <laughs> it is really lovely to see new works happening where people say, I cannot wait because I'm doing this great new show. I wanted to ask you, Tim, and the question I want to kind of jump into today is, should we be choosing projects that we are excited to go to every day? Yes or no? Well, yes, of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't you, uh, you know, be excited? What's the point of working if, you, if you're not excited to go to work? Yes, you should choose projects that speak to your heart. And I, I know there's always a balance of I need a job, I've got to make money. But eventually, hopefully, we can come to that place where we can say, I am doing this show because I'm excited about that project, mm -hmm. to work with those people, to work on those stories, to mm -hmm. tell those stories, to be in that room for whatever time you have. Mm -hmm. So what projects make you really excited to go to work every day? Projects that have a socially conscious story to tell. Uh, projects that challenge me as an artist and keep me thinking about my craft and how I can better myself as an artist. Uh, and projects that create an environment for people that I'm, actors that I'm directing to grow, not only as people, but as artists as well. I think those are the kinds of projects that I'm drawn to. And, and I look to create a team and cre surround myself with performers who share a similar vision. So what about you, Ashley? Oh, thanks for asking, Tim. <laughs> so projects that I choose now, and I'm very specific in, in, in where I am in my career, that I choose projects that I absolutely like, this is what I want to do. And so I really focus on shows that are telling stories about females, mm -hmm. <laughs> female stories, female driven work, strong female characters, if I'm talking about as an actor, which is um, a big focus for me right now in my career, and stories that are going to push the boundaries. Mm -hmm stories that I feel like I have a voice and that I want people to hear mm -hmm. this. And I also really try to focus on choosing projects that I want to be with the people in the room. Right. So not only am I excited about the material, but, and, and I know they may not all be exactly female represent <laughs> work because that's not very often anymore, but that I know that the people that I'm working with in the room, I am going to look forward to that every day. Mm -hmm. Let's say I'm 21 years old. And I just finished my BFA program, and my resume only has college productions on it. I need to get my resume up uh, to a professional, what I perceive as a professional level with, you know, as many regional theaters performing projects as possible. How should I take every single job that comes along as a young person? Or, sh or am I in a position where I can start saying th that show does not speak to me? I don't want to take that job, even though it may pay bukus of money. I don't know. That's just a question I have for you. It's a great question, Tim. So you're 21 again. <laughs> <laughs> I am 21. Don't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. I, I get this a lot from my students mm -hmm. because most of them are in college that I'm working with a lot right now at, at colleges or in my own private studio at home. And so they're asking these exact questions, which I'm sure you're getting as well. What I always say to them first is that there is no right or wrong way to do it. There's no right or wrong path to take. And so I think... It really depends upon who you are and where you're going. Mm -hmm. No one can really make that decision for you. But what I always suggest to young artists is to take, I don't mean take everything, but take the opportunities that come as they come. Mm -hmm. 
because you can't say, oh, I'm going to hold out for the next six months for that audition. Oh, that's not healthy at all. It's not healthy because you don't know. You, you can't wait mm-hmm. for that to come along. Now, there are people that do and they get that job and they're set. But it is it really is a game of are you prepared? Is the door open? Do you have the luck? And are you the right person for that show at that right time? Right. So my suggestion is to always just work. Mm-hmm. Like just work. Go work at community theater, audition for everything, do ensemble and and learn how to work your way from the bottom up. And I don't mean that in, in you're less important, but when you start to learn what it is that makes a musical work and you start in the ensemble, it really gives you a great solid foundation. And then you have mentors to look up to and you have a way to be in the room and to learn, to soak up. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. And it was really helpful for me. I took everything that came along at the first time. Sometimes I tell my students also that it's really important to know when to say no to a job. Not every single job is going to be bent for every single person. And sometimes there are red flags that you have to look out for when you're auditioning for shows. You know, when you actually go to the audition and you look around and you, you see maybe there's a little chaos going on in the audition room or or the construct of the audition itself and how the administrative team organize themselves in terms of the audition can be a red flag, can be very telling how the rehearsal process might go. And that might be something to look out for when you're auditioning for shows to say, you know what, maybe this isn't the experience that I want to have right now in my life. Also, because it's your favorite show doesn't mean you should always audition for it. And if you see some type of red flag that you don't you feel like it's not going to either help you advance as a performer create a space for you to feel comfortable and safe to make bold mistakes Mm -hmm. and that you're just doing it to add another musical on your resume just add another notch onto your resume right perhaps you want to not accept that position and i really do now even when we were growing up everyone said you must take every Every job. job you get right And I don't really think it's like that anymore, but I do think there's a balance. You can't say I'm only going to do leads. (laughs) No, of course. I mean, that's like one in a million people that can actually do that. And that's not until your career is really established. And I think it's okay to say no. Well, also, everyone should be looking at their audition notices and seeing who's on the creative team. What is the company that's producing it? Is there pay? Is there no pay? What is the rehearsal schedule? Like all those nuts and bolts. What's the culture of the theater? Mm-hmm. Ask around friends that have been in those, that have worked for that theater company. Have they had great experiences or maybe not so great experiences? So yeah, so I think I think those are really important questions that you should ask yourself when you're deciding to take a job or not. And it's okay to say no. You're not going to be losing out. We always have that fear of FOMO that we're going to miss out on some opportunity. <laughs> Just know that your heart is telling you to go somewhere different at that moment in time. And that's for someone really if you're if you're 21. If you're older like us <laughs> and you're at a point in your career where you have to just you have to start saying no. And, I, and I've done that. And I it's just you have to make sure that you're spending your time the way you want to spend it yep. versus just, you know, putting another notch. So it's, it takes a while to get to that place, but it, <laughs> it does. But I'll tell you one thing. It's really freeing to be at a place now where I feel like you and I, we're in a position now where we've built up enough clout to say, you know, this is what we want for our lives. And, and these are the things that we don't want in our lives. And we've had to work really hard to get to that place. We just need to remind folks that are in their 20s and 30s and they're starting their career, you don't have to take everything, but keep in mind that you got to work your way up and you have to really invest in an ensemble role mm-hmm. and then working your way up to supporting and then working up to leads. And it, instead of just expecting, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to play all the leads because I'm amazing. You may be, 
but it's it's a bit of a different world. So just one step at a time. And I that's think. such an interesting conversation to navigate with our young students because they all want to lead. And you really do learn. You learn the business. Oh, yeah. You learn how to be humble. You learn how hard it is to do the ensemble roles that you're literally setting furniture and you're moving stuff on and off and you're changing costumes a thousand times. And the importance of being a team player. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go back to our puzzler answer, Tim. Okay. So our puzzler for today was, what 2012 Tony Award winning musical features an entire cast of actors, singers, and musicians? And the answer is? Once, the musical, one of my favorites. And uh, just a little tidbit about Once. I thought this was really cool, fun fact. Uh, Kristen Melotti, who originated the role of girl on Broadway, had never played the piano before auditioning for the role. And of course, in the show, the girl uh, is supposed to be this piano prodigy. She learned, the actress, learned to play two songs, uh, a classical piece and The Hill, in only 10 days to convince producers to choose her over a bigger name for the part. Good for her. She, 10 days, she learned two songs, never touched, like maybe she touched a piano a little bit, but not to that degree. So lesson for every young performer out there in a training institution, pick up an instrument, learn how to play something. That wave is coming, and I'm telling you now, Broadway is going to be demanding for multi, more multi-hyphenates in these coming years. So pick up a guitar, pick up a violin, pick up anything that sets you apart from the rest of the group. We're going to send you out today with a little talk by uh, David Corrins, who is the scenic designer for Hamilton and most recently Beetlejuice. And he delivered this really cool TED Talk that just kind of talked about ways as a scenic designer that you can create an exciting an innovative space to work in. I figured we were talking a little bit about, you know, projects that excite you. With scenic designers of this kind of imagination, this would make me super excited to come to work every single day. Great. Everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. I've spent my career reaching into people's minds and creating worlds out here that we can all interact with. And yeah, you might not get to do this with fancy collaborators, but I think if you leave here, those three easy steps. Therapy. Who do I want to be? Why do I do the things I do? Design. Create a plan and try and follow through with it. What can I do? Execute it. I think if you add that with a little color theory, some cool design choices, and a general disrespect for architectural standards, you can go out and create the world that you want to live in.